Amen. Well, welcome, everybody. It's good to see you here again at Emmanuel Covenant Church. Uh, My name is Nick, and I'm excited that you're here today because we are continuing in our series, Walking with God. And in the last couple weeks, we've been looking into into what it means to walk with God in, in our everyday life. And how do we actually just do life walking with God? And so we found out in the last couple weeks that anytime that you turn to this subject in Scripture, almost every single time, there's going to be something re- referring to reverencing God or fearing God or keeping his commandments. So we found that that was essential to walking with God. Uh, last week, we talked about, Pastor Chris talked about how walking with God can be very different in different seasons. And I, I want to let you know as well that uh, if you missed any of these messages or you're playing catch up or maybe you know somebody that you think would benefit from any of these messages, I want to let you know that these are available to you for free at emmanuelcovenant.com. So um, go ahead and check that out. But I'm excited today to, ch- uh, to dive into the topic of walking with God upstream. Walking with God when it seems like everybody else isn't. How do we walk with God then? Why would we walk with God then? Because I don't know if you've noticed this. Maybe, maybe you haven't noticed, um, but it's not exactly uh, very popular to be a Christian these days. Have you noticed that? It's not, it's not exactly the most popular thing in the media or in politics in our schools or anything. You probably don't win points socially by going up to someone and saying, hey, I'm Nick. I'm a Christian. How are you? Um, it, you're probably not making friends very quickly that way. And it's just not that popular. And that can, that can make it difficult to orient your entire life, all the decisions that you make, your entire life to orient that in the direction that God is walking when everyone else is going another direction. That can be very difficult, can't it? Especially if you're like me and you kind of care a little bit about what people think of you. But let's just get... Let's just get honest together for a minute. Can we get vulnerable together for a minute? How many of you would say that you take into account what other people think of you when you make a purchase or when you're trying to decide what to wear, when you're just making decisions in your everyday life that you take into account what other people think of you? Go ahead and put your hand up. Yeah, that's a lot of us. That's a lot of us. How many of you didn't put your hand up because you were thinking about what people were thinking of you? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. See, See, this is something that we all struggle with, right? And my hand is up big time on this one. Like, I struggle with this one all the time. And I don't think that there's any time in life where we are more aware, keenly aware of what the world around us thinks of us than in junior high, right? Those years are rough. Uh, If you're in junior high, you know, just keep marching on. You know, you're going to make it, right? And, uh, And for me, I remember... Um, my, my school district where I grew up in Des Moines, it was uh, kindergarten to sixth grade. That was elementary. And then seventh and eighth grade, that was junior high. And I'm just going to be really vulnerable and honest with you today. I was not the coolest sixth grader in school. Okay. Um, let me just tell you some of my interests. I was interested in owls (laughs) and other birds of prey. (laughs) Yes. Um, geology. I was really into geology and outer space. I was pretty fascinated by outer space. Um, uh, I played the violin and the clarinet. <laughs> and, uh, and I was bad at every sport, every single one. I was really bad. The jury's still out, but I, I might have been a dweeb. I don't know. Uh, you'll have to decide for yourself. You might say, oh, not much has changed, you know. Um, and, and that was the case. And, and for me, 
man, I'd look around and there were these other people that they just, they just weren't dweebs like me. They weren't weird like me. They seemed to like, they must have known something that I didn't know. And they were experiencing like fun and, and, uh, and girls liked them. And, and, and they were experiencing something that I felt like that I was missing out on. So I was sick and tired of that. I was sick and tired of being a, a nerd. And so I decided going into junior high, I was going to reinvent myself. And so I did my hair differently. I got different clothes. I even talked differently so that people would like me, right? Because I was so sick of missing out on what everyone else was experiencing. I also remember in, in sixth grade, one time I was at church, and um, there was this girl that was getting a pop out of the vending machine, and I decided that I was going to go talk to this girl. And I don't know why I decided to go talk to this girl, because it's not like I was good at talking to girls, especially in sixth grade. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, but I decided, okay, just go over to her, and Nick, just be normal. Just be normal, Nick. Now I'm walking over. Just don't be weird. Then by the time that I get to her, I hadn't thought of what I was going to say. So I just said the first thing that came to my mouth. I said, ah, hey, um, hey, do you know a guy named Sean Vasey? And this girl, she turns to me and she looks at me and, and she's like, just wondering who I am, I'm sure. But she just says, no, uh, why do you ask? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I just, Sean's on my baseball team. I didn't tell her that I was bad at baseball, but Sean's on my baseball team, and, um, and I kind of thought that you resembled him, and, and maybe you were related. <laughs> what? <laughs> and so she just kind of turns her head, and kind of like some of you are doing right now. <laughs> she just turns her head and kind of crinkles her, her, her eyebrows and, and says, so, so you think I look like a boy? And then her friends giggle and she laughs and they all run away. And I'm left there alone, rejected, and weird, okay? (laughs) And oh, what I would have given to not just be so weird. (laughs) What What would I have given to not be missing out on what everyone was missing out on? What would I have given to not be rejected like that, to just be normal? But the truth is that this reality, it doesn't just go away after you graduate junior high, does it? We have these same emotions in high school and in college and our first job and when we have kids and in and, 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 and any arena of life, even when you're retired, even in your last days, we care about what other people think about us. And, and it's even more difficult when it comes to a topic like this to walking with God upstream when no one else seems to be doing that? Why would you ever even consider that? And how, how would you ever even consider that? How can you even do that? Why would you walk with God upstream? Because the truth is that we live in a culture that demands conformity. And yet we have a God that calls his people to be holy. We live in a culture that demands conformity, and yet we have a God that calls his people to be holy. In our culture, you have to have the right amount of schooling to get the right kind of job, to make the right kind of money, to get the right kind of stuff, to attract the right kind of spouse, so you can have the right kind of kids and live the right kind of house in the right neighborhood. Otherwise, you're weird. And even in a, in a culture where everyone's kind of like clamoring to be recognized as an individual, recognize me for who I am and the way that I am and appreciate me. And I don't think that's a bad thing. 
But isn't it interesting that if you don't have that special something about you, you don't fit into the crowd of people with special somethings about them, right? You have to be special just like everyone else. And the truth is that even in a culture that elevates individuality, we still, we still demand conformity in our culture. But God calls his people to be holy. And holy is just a religious term that means set apart. It means different. So there's everything that's normal, and then there's something that's, that's set apart. And God calls his people not to be like everything and everyone else, but to be set apart. And it's worth mentioning at this point that sometimes the values of a culture align with God's values, and then that's okay be normal in that way, to fit in with the culture in that way, because the culture on issues maybe of justice or, or something like that, the culture might be walking in the same direction as God. But the truth is that that doesn't happen very often, does it? I mean, sometimes, but sometimes it doesn't. And what are you going to do then? That can be pretty scary for those of us that care what other people think about us. And there's really two reasons why it's difficult to walk with God upstream. Actually, really, there's, there's about a million of them. But there's two of them that we're going to highlight today, okay? There's two general broad reasons. If you're taking notes, write this down. The first reason that, that we have difficulty walking with God is because we're afraid of missing out. Just like I was in sixth grade. We're afraid of missing out. And so we see all these people that are doing things that, that God says no to, but we'd like to say yes to. And then we see everyone else there doing things. Or they don't have to do things that God says yes to. And sometimes we, we would like to maybe not have to do those things. Or it seems like some people that aren't following God upstream, maybe they're having more fun. And then you begin to wonder, well, is God holding out on me? Does everyone else know something that I don't? Does everyone else know something that God doesn't? Why, why do they get to have all the, the fun? Is, is my life going to be less? Am I going to have less money? Am I going to have less time? Am I going to have less comfort? So we begin to think that we're going to miss out. And, and it makes it very difficult to walk with God upstream because we're afraid of missing out. The second one is that we're afraid of being rejected. The second reason why it's difficult for many of us to walk with God upstream is we're afraid of being rejected. This is so huge. Because isn't there this type of Christianity, this type of Christian that the broader culture is just kind of labeled as weird? You know what I'm talking about? Like, maybe, maybe they're not evil, but they're just kind of like, you know, they, if that's what makes them happy, good for them, you know? And I'm just going to be really honest with you. I'm going to make a confession uh, as the person preaching today. I'm confessing today that so many times in my life, I've looked at someone that I wanted approval from who didn't approve of the way a brother or sister in, in Christ, one of my brothers and sisters in Christ, was doing worship or something like that. And I would try to dissociate myself with them so I could be liked by other people. And, and in the process, I mean, maybe, maybe I thought that uh, this person's music was weird. Or maybe I thought the way that they did worship was, was weird. Or maybe I thought the way that, that they uh, related with other people was weird. And, and so I wanted to dis just dissociate myself. 
And I threw my own brother and sister in Christ under the bus in a way that is not beneficial to the unity of the church. Not at all. Because I was afraid of being rejected. And God has more for us than that. But what about like the really evil ones? You know, the, the ones that are just bad. There's this man uh, that actually came to my church uh, when I was in, growing up. And he actually came to my high school as well. His name's Fred Phelps. Uh, some of you might have even heard of this guy. Um, he calls himself a pastor. A lot of people don't like to call him a pastor. Um, but uh, this guy, he's known for picketing lots of different venues. But in particular, he'll get his crazy, bright, uh, obnoxious signs, really. And he'll go to the funerals of soldiers that passed away serving their country. To interrupt the morning of the families to tell them that America has sinned. And this is the guy that he came to my high school, came to my church. And I'll just say this, that that was completely unhelpful to anybody. Um, that, that was hurtful to everybody. And in no way was that a holistic representation of who Jesus is and how he relates to us. But let me just tell you that on that day when he was picketing my high school, on a day where Christ probably needed to be represented a little bit better, I was so afraid of being associated with that that it was very hard to express my faith that day because I was afraid of being rejected. And many of us have a hard time walking with God upstream because there's, there's not a lot of good examples Many of us have a hard time because, because we're afraid of being rejected. We're afraid of missing out. And there's a problem with this, though. Because when we do that, what's our natural tendency? Well, we just kind of assimilate. We just kind of get into the flow of things. And then we just kind of do life just like everybody else is. And, and maybe we come to church. But there's a, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of Christians that are claiming the name of Christ today. But living as if Christ doesn't even exist. And not only is, is that not obedient to God's call to be holy, because God wants to be in relationship with us. I don't know if you've noticed, conformity isn't really working very well either. Have you noticed this? Conform, I mean, what's normal in our culture? Is normal working? What's normal in our culture is to spend decades trying to amass as much wealth and possessions as possible. And wealth and possessions isn't bad, so long as they're not your God, so long as they aren't the, the sustenance to your life. But many of us, it's very normal to spend decades trying to amass as much as possible. Maybe we won't be happy, but at least we'll be comfortable by the time that we're old and wrinkly, right? And that's, that's normal. And God has so much more for us than that. It's normal in our culture to be stressed and overwhelmed and anxious and so busy all the time. Going, 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 just trying to keep up with normal. Even at the expense of our health. Even at the expense of our peace, of our relationships. And conformity really isn't a viable option for us either. I mean, because the, the truth is that just because a path isn't, is, is popular, just because a path is popular, that does not mean that it leads to a desirable destination, right? 
Just because everybody is treading one path, that doesn't mean that they're heading to a destination that you yourself want to end up in. And the opposite is true as well. If the the path is not popular, that doesn't mean that it doesn't lead to the best destination. And we know that conformity is not working. And there's many Christians that are living their life as if Christ doesn't exist. And God has so much more for us than that. He calls us to be holy, to be different, to be set apart. So why would God call us to do that? I mean, God knows that there's a little bit of anxiety around, you know, walking a different path, walking with him upstream. So why would he call us to do that? And then how do we even begin to do that? Why would we do that? And how do we even begin to do that? Um, A lot of us think, a lot of us just kind of, we hear, okay, God wants us to be holy. Uh, we're supposed to be different. So that must mean that God wants us to just do whatever we can to be weird, right? Uh, but but that's, not, that's not the, tr- the truth. God does not care whether the culture around you thinks that you're weird or not weird. He cares if you're holy, if you're living life like him, if you're reflecting his image in the world. And there's a reason for that. The reason for that is this, and if you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. The reason is that God uses holiness to transform what's broken in the world. God uses holiness to transform what's broken in the world. And we see this all throughout the whole story arc of the Bible. I mean, if if we just briefly told God's story, we see this everywhere. So we see at the beginning, Adam and Eve, they took the fruit. You kind of remember that story. They took the fruit they weren't supposed to. That broke relationship. Relationship between humanity and God was broken in that act. And so what did God do? Did he just say, oh, well, that stinks. Um, I guess we'll try again with some people that are more obedient. No, he said, no, I care about humanity and I love them. And so I am going to interact as a holy God And I'm going to call a man named Abraham. Do you remember Abraham way back in Genesis? Uh, Abraham was called and God said, hey, I'm going to set you apart and I'm going to make you holy. You're going to be different and you're going to have a ton of kids. And all of your kids are going to essentially make up this huge nation called Israel. And I'm going to take Israel and I'm going to set it apart and I'm going to bless it and make Israel holy. Why? Why? Not just so that Israel could be like, oh, we're blessed and we're awesome and life is really great for us. No, check it out in Genesis 15. God set Israel apart, made Israel holy to be a blessing to the other nations. Because God uses holiness to transform what's broken in the world. And so then Moses is leading the nation of Israel out of Egypt and they get to Mount Sinai and and God shows up in a big cloud and and he gives Moses the Ten Commandments. And so a lot of people are like, oh, great. Now we have all, like, ten ways to make sure that we don't make God mad at us. Well, that doesn't quite get at the point. Oh, oh, great. Now we have ten ways to a better life. Well, you're still missing it. Because the Ten Commandments aren't just a way to keep God from getting mad at you or having a better life. They're a way of being holy. The point was, hey, Israel, I've called you to be holy. You're going to be a holy nation. You're going to be different from all the other nations around you. And this is how. This, these are the markers of a holy nation. This is how you will be different from those around you. Because God uses holiness to transform what's broken in the world. So if you know the story, did it turn out well? No, 
It didn't. Uh, it didn't turn out very well at all because Israel actually saw all the other nations around and, and they're like, oh, well, the other nations are worshiping these other gods and they seem to be having all these other benefits of life and, and the way that they get to do life, well, maybe we'll worship some of their gods too. And they were afraid of missing out. And then politically, they're like, oh, well, everyone else has a king and we, and we want to fit in and, and we don't want the political enmity of not having a king either and, and we don't want to be rejected, so we need to have a king too. And so they established a king. His name was Saul. Do you remember Saul? Didn't turn out very good for Saul. And God saw the mess that Israel had made, and he said, okay, I'm going to establish a holy king. And not that this king is going to live their life perfect, but King David, from his line, there's going to be someone who does. He's going to be the holy one of God. He's going to be the Messiah, the one that God sends to set right everything that's been broken in the world. And generations later, Jesus was born into David's line. And not only was he born into David's line and fulfilled that covenant promise of God, not only did he keep all Ten Commandments, not only did he fulfill the whole meaning of the law of God, Jesus, when he broke his body and shed his blood on a cross, he made holiness not just available to Israel, but to the whole world. Because God uses holiness to transform what's broken in the world. He sent the Holy Spirit to establish his holy church, to transform what's broken in the world. And we are called as his people to be set apart, not just so that we're not weird or something like that, or just so that we can be weird. We're called to be set apart, to be holy, because God wants us to take part in his story of transforming the world. And that's what led the Apostle Paul to write what he did in Romans chapter 12. I want to share this verse with you. This is a verse that has changed my life. Uh, this is kind of a life verse for me, I suppose you could say. And, and many of you are probably familiar with this verse, but I just want to share a couple words that the Apostle Paul writes. In light of this whole story, so the first part of Romans is kind of telling that whole story. And then he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In other words, therefore, in light of everything that God has done, in light of this whole story that God has been telling for thousands of years, in light of everything that God has done to transform what's broken in the world and how he's invited us into that, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to give your bodies, to give your whole life, your whole mind, your heart, your soul, every part of your life, to give that to God as a living sacrifice, holy, set apart, different. Because God uses holiness to transform us broken in the world. And if you want to worship God truly, if you want to worship God properly, that's how to do it, is to give your whole life to be holy. And then look at what he says. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In other words, do not conform to the patterns of this world. Don't let the world just fit you into a box and put you on a shelf and categorize you. But be transformed into what you were made to be, what God intended you to 
See, the world, the world wants to put you in a box and fit you into a mold. But God wants you to be transformed. This word transformed is the same Greek word where we get uh, like metamorphosis from. You know, like where a butterfly comes out of their cocoon. I suppose it's a caterpillar. Then it becomes a butterfly, right? And God doesn't want us to be put in a box. He wants us caterpillars to become butterflies. That's what Paul is saying here. And how does that happen? It happens by the renewing of our mind. We're going to have to be able to think differently if we're going to walk with God upstream and live this holy life that he's called us to. And what will happen when we do? What happens? Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Some of us are so afraid of being rejected. Some of us are so afraid of missing out. But when our minds are renewed and we're walking with God upstream, we can see that his will is good and it's pleasing and it's perfect. And walking with God and living a holy life isn't a matter of being weird or not weird. It's a matter of worship. And it's a matter of joy. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we see that God isn't calling us to be weird. He doesn't care if if the culture around us thinks that we're weird. He's calling us to be holy because he transforms the world through holiness. And God is inviting you and inviting me into that story. So how do we even get in on that? How do we get into that story? How do we become a part of how God is transforming the world? Well, Paul says here that you need to have a renewing of your mind. A renewing of your mind. If you're going to be transformed, you have a renewing of your mind. So uh, God's transformation begins by thinking differently. If you want to start walking with God upstream, if conformity isn't working for you, start walking with God upstream by thinking differently. Three ways that we need to think differently. The first one is that we need to think differently about God. See, many of you today, for a long time, you've thought of God as kind of like this cosmic puppet master, um, this, this God that, that uh, if you do the dance, the religious dance the right way, and if you press all the buttons, then God is going to bless you or, or help you out with something. Um, it, it, if we just make God happy, if we do enough work, then, then I'll experience blessing. But you need to know that that's the wrong way to think about God. In fact, every other ancient religion, that's how they thought about God. And and Paul's saying, no, 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 think differently. You need a renewing of your mind. You need to think about God differently. Because God is not a way to get what you want. He's never been a way to get what you want. God is a relationship to enjoy. Are you enjoying his relationship? And some of us, we need, we need to think differently about God. Some of us, we think that, um, that God, he just kind of gets off on making us do things that make our life, our, our life less. By giving us rules and, uh, and uh, giving us regulations that, that just make our life less. But that's the wrong way to think about God. Whenever God gives you a rule or a regulation or a boundary, he's doing it for your benefit. All of God's thou shalts and thou shalt nots have an implicit that you might. All of God's thou shalts and thou shalt nots have implied within them that you might, that you might experience freedom, that you might experience fullness of life, and especially that you might be 
holy because God uses holiness to transform what's broken in the world. So the first thing that we need to think differently about if we're going to follow God upstream is thinking differently about God. The second thing that we need to think differently about is ourselves. Many of you, um, you are working so hard. We live in Minnesota, and most of us are hard workers. We're in the Midwest, but you're working so hard all the time. And it seems like the break never comes. And it's exhausting. And you're believing something about yourself that maybe only your boss actually thinks. That you're only valuable based on what you bring to the table. But the truth is that you are not just a human doing. You're a human being. And there's a place for work. And there's a place for all of that. But there's also a place for rest. There's also a place for stopping and ceasing. Walking with God upstream. Some of you, you think that, well, if I did that, then everything might fall apart. But you need to know that you are not the glue that holds the world together. You're not. And that's okay. And there's freedom in letting go of that. And and the reality is that some of you probably wouldn't let God take care of you if he asked you face to face. Because you you have to be important and you have to hold it all together and and you just want to be okay. And some of us, we need to begin to think differently about ourselves because God thinks that you are so valuable. Do you want to know how valuable God thinks that you are? That in spite of the fact that, that all of us have fallen short of what he's asked of us, in spite of the fact that all of us have turned away from him, he sent his only son, the one that didn't turn away from him, and he sent him to be pinned to a piece of wood till he bled out died. God paid that price to bring you into his family. That's how much you are valued. And your life would be completely different if you began to to treat yourself and think about yourself in the way that God thinks about you. Because some of you, you think, oh, well, I'm the last person that deserves to walk with God. God must not be interested in me. You're wrong. You're wrong. God is so interested in you. God sent his son to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And if you're in that position where you say, you know, I can't, I can't walk with God upstream by myself, you're actually in a very spiritually mature position. And all you need to do is turn around. And even if you stumble, God picks you up because God values you because of the fact that you are his son or his daughter, not because you produce something. So the first way we need to think differently is we need to think differently about God. The second is that we need to think differently about ourselves. And the last one is that we need to think differently about the world around us. For many of us, we wouldn't write this in our journal at night. You know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't just say, oh, you know, um, that person at work, uh, I only relate to them based on the basis of what they bring to the table for me. Or, oh, that family member, I, I don't like to hang out with them or do relationship with them because they frustrate me, um, and, and I won't because I don't get anything out of that relationship. Oh, all the commitments that I've made, um, well, they're, they're not important because I'm not getting anything out of those commitments now. And, and we wouldn't write that in our journal because when you say it like that, it's like, well, that, that sounds kind of like 
selfish, like the world is about me. But God calls us to be holy. And that means that we're here. We are God's people to take part in the story that he is writing to transform the world. And when we begin to think about the world around us as a, this mission field, this, this, uh, this whole wide world that God loves so dearly and has called us to be a part of transforming it into something that is greater than we have ever imagined, we begin to approach things differently. We're not here. They're not here for us. We are here for them. And we need to begin to think differently about the world around you. So if you want to walk with God upstream, the, the way to get started is to think differently about God, think differently about yourself, and think differently about the world around you. Do you remember the girl from the vending machine? The, the one that rejected me after my really good line? <laughs> right? Um, we grew up in the same church, and uh, it was a big enough church that I was able to kind of avoid her. You know, I'd see her at youth group or something like that and just do one of these. And because uh, I didn't want to talk to her again. I don't want to be rejected again. And so, you know, I, I, I just avoided her at all costs. Well, years later, um, we were both at the senior prom, and my date had ditched me, and she had ditched her date. And she actually came over to talk to me. And I see her walking over. I'm like, oh, there's that girl. And she'd obviously forgotten about the vending machine incident, right? And, uh, and, and she starts to talk to me. And, and she said, hey, I recognize you from church. You're the guy that plays guitar. And, and at first I'm like, oh, no, she knows that I play guitar at church. Because I was like one of those guys that like really got into it. Put my hands up. And like, you know, just I was really into it. And so I was like, is she, she going to think that that's weird? Is she going to reject me again? But she seemed to like that. And the more that I got to know her and, and, and talk with her, I realized there was something different about this girl in a, in a really good way, you know? I mean, she just thought differently about God. And she, she just thought differently about herself and differently about the world around her. And she wasn't perfect, but man, she sure seemed that way. And little did I know that that was actually a holy moment. Because God uses holiness to transform what's broken in the world. That girl named Michelle, she, she, God used her in ways to transform my life that I can't even tell you. I, I can't even tell you. I will never be the same because of that girl. And years later, the sixth grade dork marries the girl at the vending machine. I'm so glad, I'm so glad that she thought differently about God. I'm so glad that she thought differently about herself. I'm so glad that she thought differently about the world around her because I will never be the same because of it. Because God uses holiness to transform what's broken in the world. And that just makes me wonder, what might God want to transform through you? Who might God want to transform through you and through this community? Because God is calling us to be holy and set apart because God uses holiness to transform what's broken in this world. So which way are you going to walk? 
Are you going to walk with God upstream, or are you going to go with the flow and live like it doesn't even exist? God is calling you to something great. He's calling this community to something great. I pray that you'll walk with him. Because when you do, when you change the way that you think, you'll begin to see that it's good and pleasing. It's perfect. Amen? Amen. Will you stand with me and receive this blessing? Holy God, this, this falls in so many different places. And there's so many things that we're all feeling right now. We're recognizing that, that we're just like everybody else in certain areas of our life and that you're calling us to something more because you're inviting us into the story that you've been writing for thousands of years to transform what's broken in this world. And I pray, Lord, that you would instill us with the courage to do it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you so much for being here this week. Have a great rest of your weekend.